Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 161. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me in the studio today, we have a returning guest, Sam Whipple. A pleasure to be back, as always. And it's really great to have you back. Today, we're going to be talking about presumed versus stated or spoken love. And to clarify, I feel that we live in a culture where it's often safer, and I think mutually understood in a lot of communities, if you don't express that you have love or affection for someone, specifically by stating that you love them in a very clear way. But I do think there are a number of formats that make people particularly uncomfortable. And as a first question to you, I'd really love to know if you think there are certain relationships in your observation in which love is more often presumed than it is stated. Well, it's a really interesting question. And as someone who is in both a romantic relationship, one that I'm proud to say is older than Tinder itself, I've experienced love, I think, in both that romantic context and in the context of a friendship, in the context of a professional relationship even. And I think in that way, I'm referring mostly to the kind of intellectual love, if we were to call it that, between a student and a professor. I think there really can be something that comes of a relationship like that, where there is trust, where there is a willingness and a freedom to exchange ideas, to challenge each other. But you put me in an awkward position having to throw a question back at you, which is, what is love? Needless to say, that question has baffled and challenged people for eons. But I'm curious if you have an answer in mind. And is there a difference between the kind of romantic love that you might think of and one that you would find in a friendship or in a professional kind of relationship? Well, I think it's an apt question, and in my definition, love is a strong connection with someone else. And I thought about using the word mutual there, but I also think implied in that strong connection has to be some form of respect. And so if you love someone who doesn't see you that way, I still think you can love them, but I would also contend that you have to give them the proper space, and if at any point they say or imply, your love makes me uncomfortable, or I feel you're expressing something that is impeding my success or happiness in life, then you would have to readjust your behavior. But at its core, I do think love is a positive, strong, emotional connection with someone else. And maybe that's at the core of why we often don't express love for some people in our culture, because strong emotional feelings are not always easily translated to words. And you can very easily define things like a library or a street or someone's appearance because language has given us a great deal of vocabulary to engage with those nouns. But love is trickier. As you've said, people have been baffled for eons. And I think part of the natural complication in this topic, which you just now sparked in me, is that to state love to someone else requires stating it to yourself in some capacity. And I think that can make people feel incredibly uncomfortable because it requires that you live your life and also describe your life in a lot of ways. And in many senses, I think people find that really uncomfortable to try and encapsulate this vast and strange experience that is living. And I think in the circumstances where it applies, our reluctance to state love may be sympathetic that we don't want our discomfort at thinking about whether we love someone to suddenly engulf another person's emotions. And we think, I'm struggling with these thoughts and emotions. Do I want to put someone else through that? What do you think about that theory? 
Well, you're absolutely right, because I feel like love contains a world of contradictions, I think many of which you've just alluded to. It is vague, but also inherently unique to every person. It is broad, but also very personal. But it is also, as you mentioned, even if not felt reciprocally, it is reciprocal in that it is focused outward. It is reflected on another person, something that comes from you but is given to others. That trap that we find ourselves in of thinking of it in an emotional, in a romantic context is part of the reason that we struggle to relate it to people who we label as friends, colleagues, acquaintances, etc. There's this sense that to give a friend love is almost to sort of impugn on some sort of boundary that we find ourselves wrapped up in because a friend is a friend and love is something that is broader, more timeless. It has these romantic, not in the emotional sense, but in the Baroque context. It has these romantic qualities to it. And I think we find ourselves very attracted to that idea. And all these words interplay with each other, attraction and romance, and they all have this context of a romantic relationship. But love often occurs in more contexts than that. I really appreciate your phrasing there, which makes me think perhaps it's so uncomfortable for some people to say that they love someone because to love is to have a loving relationship with that person. And I think in many ways it can intersect with a previous relationship of, let's say, a professor and student or a friendship. And to me, that suggests that as a culture, we don't have a problem with love but we prefer to keep it separate from other relationships or at the center of its own relationships. And so a marriage we would hope is ideally loving or that of a young couple learning more about one another. But I think when you talk about colleagues or people who may have crossed paths because of their professions, to bring in love adds another relationship that must be managed and navigated And I don't think it's only that our relationship to love, as you said, varies from person to person, but that even in language meant to unify and connect people, we all have different interpretations of love. And so to hear someone say, I love you, or did you know that I love you, could have various contexts depending on that person's memory, or if perhaps in childhood and early adolescence they never heard that phrase, and so now when it's used, the phrase I love you has tremendous power that they are not familiar with. There are all kinds of circumstances that would dictate really uncomfortable reactions, which I find rather sad in some ways because I think the phrase can have such power, and admittedly, I think it is frequently used for abusive purposes and in dishonest moments where people do not actually love others and can say it for personal gain. But outside of those negative contexts, I do wish love was stated more. And that is a personal bias of mine that whether it relates to my difficulty reading certain social cues or the ambiguity that I find in a lot of social cues, I would far prefer statements of love because to me they often represent a certain threshold a certain value that a friend and I or another individual and I have found together. And I'd really love to know what your relationship is to bridging that gap with another person and if you have a certain preference for stated or implied love. Well, I think one of the challenges about bridging that gap as you describe it is that point of interpretation that you made, which I think is so important 
It's funny, I wonder about this question of the work of love and what it takes to love, whether it requires an emotional, physical toll for someone to take. Speaking in the romantic context, I often say to my girlfriend that despite what I think are often characterizations of love being this burden, that it requires this immense strength to keep it alive, that it requires constant work on the part of both people, not to say that a relationship doesn't require the active participation of both people, because certainly it does, but I think when two people find a common interpretation of love, it's often very easy. And to bring it full circle, I often say to my girlfriend that she's very easy to love because I don't find that our interpretations of it are complicated by each other, nor do I feel that there's any sort of work that either of us has to do to get on the same page about what that means. And I think that's a really important thing for two people to find in each other, one that I'm incredibly lucky to have found, but it's one that makes that kind of relationship possible. On the other hand, I think that one of the constant efforts of friendship, besides the maintenance of a natural relationship where you stay in communication and try to do things with each other and learn more about the other person, is that I think in getting to know someone else, there's a fear of learning something perhaps of value, a way of seeing the world that might come up that conflicts with your own. And I think to reach that threshold that you describe of being able to say to a person, I love you, I cherish you or value what we have in, in a really superlative way is to say that either you feel that you've found agreement on those two things, which is, I think, a rare thing indeed, or to say that you are either understanding of the differences that you have or perhaps can overlook them. And so I think one of the challenges in finding that with a friend is getting to a place where you're willing to accept perhaps even the flaws of the way you look at things, whereas a person may have shown you who they are and thereby offered another interpretation of who you could be. There's something there that poses a challenge to who you are as a person and what you believe. And I think to express love for a person in that way is to bring that to the fore, to say, I care about you enough to challenge who I am. I think that's what a lot of good friendships do. They change people. That's what a relationship is. It's give, it's take, and it's growing together. And I think to really reach that plateau with love is important. And so to get to your question more specifically, I think there's a real value in saying it, making it real, to putting it out there in the world. There's value perhaps in not saying it too, perhaps only because one doesn't feel that they've gotten to that point or doesn't want to ruin anything in advance. But I think it can do more good than harm to be expressed. But I'm curious if you agree. Well, I have to acknowledge that I am biased in favor of expressing it explicitly, and I really appreciated what you said about finding it very easy to love your girlfriend and that your definitions in many ways, if not in every way, line up, because that helped clarify a few things for me, and I would offer the following metaphor of two countries that border one another and often negotiate and interact with one another, and they need to come to some form of agreement where they both need to sign a treaty or a negotiation of some sort, and I would ask what the likelihood is that they will both agree on that treaty if they've never talked about it, but they've talked about virtually everything else. And I think there is a possibility, now talking about human relationships, that without stating something, you can come to a silent understanding with someone else that is completely mutual, and you are on the same page, but I think it's a lot harder if it's not said, and I think if one person says I love you, the card is on the table, and the option is now open for discussion, whether it's uncomfortable or positive, or ruins the relationship perhaps, 
I would argue that at the very least, one of you took that plunge, and hopefully in a respectful relationship, you're both willing to discuss it, if not in that very moment, at some point in the near future. And I don't deny that it's a point of vulnerability, but I also think that's because in many ways, which is a separate podcast topic altogether, when we say I love you in our culture, I think it's so often expected that the other person will reciprocate. And we don't say I love you until we're very convinced that the person to whom we are saying it will reply in parallel. And I think that's part of the problem, at least as I've observed it, because it becomes this chess game, this intricate dance, where neither of us wants to be the first to say it, but we're both potentially feeling the same thing. And so, as I've grown older, I've tried to say it more. Of course, always with honesty, and when I think the moment is right. And in many ways, I'm grateful that I've pushed myself a bit down this path, because my principles also tell me I can't just say I love you without thinking about it first. And so it's forced me to be more reflective and to see reasons that I love the people around me, but also to recognize that there is a time and a place, and I don't ever want to be someone who says I love you in a dishonest way, because I think that can be really damaging. And I think at this point, you and I have implied in certain ways that it's easier not to say I love you, but I would really love to ask you if you think there are ways in which it's more effective to communicate love in a silent or implied way. Well, that's challenging. I think especially in a non-romantic relationship. I worry that gestures that we might use to convey love, whatever those may be, would often get either misconstrued or maybe simply their intention would be dampened by the other person saying they're just being a good friend or they're just trying to be nice. There's something about love that also requires some sort of verbal acknowledgement. I think it goes beyond the standard niceties of any friendship. Certainly in the case of something more collegial, say a student and a professor, I mean, as I think about professors that I think I have loved, who I think have taught me things and have been mentors and guardians in a way, conveying that is certainly a difficult prospect. But if anything gets back to that mutual respect that you talked about before, There's something in the way that two people who have a clear respect for each other can naturally get along that I think moves towards something like an unspoken love, where there's a very clear understanding of intention, of feeling. And I personally am a believer in friendships where not only can two people come to each other's defense on things, but also where there's room to acknowledge wrong where people can openly describe ways that someone may have acted poorly or simply not in a way that we think would be becoming of who we understand them to be. That, I think, is a very interesting thing as well. I feel like so many friendships that seem grounded in something very strong are also ones where there's an unwillingness to critique where there's this unspoken boundary of not being willing to say anything that might offend the other person, that might be taken of ill intention. And that's where I think that issue of intentions becomes really critical as well. Because I think when you know a person has the best intentions in pointing out some of your worst flaws, there's respect and understanding. And I think that gets at something that might be love in a friendship. And I don't think that always has to be said. I think that can exist without being said. 
I'm glad that you point out that distinction. And I do think one of the reasons we are, as a culture, often very hesitant to critique those with whom we otherwise have positive relationships comes back to the difficulties of verbalizing certain expressions of our emotional intentions or perceptions of other people. And I don't mean to limit it to love. I would even contend that as human beings, there may not be sufficient words or languages to express the depth of emotions and nuance that we feel within ourselves and for other people. And where love, whether it is romantic or otherwise, is presumed to be this very positive thing, if we already feel self-conscious as a culture in expressing love for people who may not be romantic partners as a prime example, I think it makes sense in the type of relationship you bring up that we would be even less likely to verbalize a critique because my underlying concern with this topic is that we don't talk about our feelings in articulate ways and that maybe language has not offered us that avenue. And I do think in a culture which holds romantic partnerships as the pinnacle of emotional human intimacy, verbalizing love for friends, peers, mentors, etc. would undermine the tremendous value that we have given romantic love because in so much of our media, we see romantic love verbalized the most or the example of familial love and perhaps even in the people we associate with that we may not see friends telling one another they love each other as often as we might see romantic partners. And so long as certain social trends continue, I think we as people often imbue a great deal of power in those trends and have trouble breaking them because we don't see norms being challenged as often as they could. And so I would present the example of friends who could otherwise be in romantic or sexual relationships where a platonic love is felt, but both parties feel uncomfortable expressing it because we so strongly associate expressions of love with a very particular type of partnership. And frankly, I think that strengthens the wall that prevents us from saying these things to a lot of people in our lives. And I'd really love to know what you think about that. Those cultural barriers that prevent us from expressing feelings, I think, are definitely there. I myself am a proud descendant of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, aka WASP tradition, that strongly advocates for never expressing feelings of any kind. Although there is probably only one descriptor in that acronym that I would be comfortable using on myself, but nonetheless, it is an interesting thing that even beyond those subsects of our culture, there are certainly feelings about what it means to express love to a person that I think create a problem for many of us. And you've sort of challenged me to think, how would I feel telling my girlfriend I loved her? If anyone in even the most casually amicable of friendships felt willing to say, I love you, every time they saw each other, what would that mean for the concept of love, not only as it stands generally, but for a romantic partnership? I think it would, in some ways, cheapen it. And I also very much feel like we are in a place where many words are finding themselves cheapened simply because of the ubiquity of forms of conversation, of places for dialogue, of ways that we have caused language to evolve where words have in some ways lost their meaning, both in terms of their factual content and their emphasis. Love seems to have kept its relative dominance at the top of our sort of language hierarchy. It is a superlative that I don't feel gets overused in the way that we might find other ones like best or greatest. 
it seems to have withstood both the test of time and the test of ubiquity. What that means for our friendships, I'm not sure. But at least in the romantic sphere, I think we're seeing a growing part of our population express themselves in a way that is polyamorous, multi-amorous. There are a number of terms that folks might use to describe themselves. But of course, that refers to someone who feels that they can feel that kind of romantic love for a number of people besides a single partner. And while I think we are a culture that skews heavily in favor of folks who are simply monogamous, I think the broadening of those boundaries may suggest something about the broadening of our boundaries of friendship as well. There's definitely potential to sort of break through there and express love in a way that is more casual, for lack of a better word. But I think that's a good thing. It could mean something for us as a society to be more generous in the way that we express feeling and affection for each other. And that would be a great thing to see, in my opinion. But I don't know. Do you think that can break into the sphere of friendship? Is there potential there? Or does it ultimately end up getting drowned out by everything else that occurs in our dialogue, be it online, in person, wherever? Well, I do think there's potential for more expressions of love to break into our communications with friends. And I would take myself as a hypothetical example and say that as someone who tries to be very direct in my verbal expressions of love, there have been a few friends who have noted to me that because I have set a certain stage, they feel more comfortable being verbally open about how they honestly feel. And I appreciate that and do hope I've never pressured anyone to feel obligated to parrot some of my expressions of love for them because I concede that we are not only social creatures, but creatures of social mimicry who often verbally mimic what we hear and what we see other people saying. But I would contend that expressions of love not only could infiltrate more mundane language for lack of a different phrase, but that it wouldn't be a terribly difficult process because I'm pretty confident that all of us are feeling relatively strong emotions in varying degrees and in different circumstances, but there's simply a social pressure to withdraw from those discussions or prevent them altogether. And so I think if more people broke those seals, so to speak, we would see a greater abundance of expressions of non-romantic love. And to your question about whether it would cheapen romantic love, I don't think so, and I would optimistically contend that it might even press romantic partners to be more linguistically and romantically creative in how they express that type of affection and appreciation. And before we close the episode... I would like to note, especially for the more patient listeners, that underlying all of this discussion, I think, is another discussion related to love languages. And you have my word that that discussion will occur in a future episode. But for now, before we close this episode, Sam, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this conversation? Well, Kip, I guess if I had one question for the listeners out there, it would be... What is keeping you from telling your second best friend you love them? And I appreciate your brevity there. I'd be really eager to hear from listeners who fall outside of our demographic as young, straight, white men, how they felt about this topic, because I'm positive that different communities, especially international communities, would have a lot of thoughts on how love is or is not expressed. And as always, I'd be fascinated to hear what other people have to say so that I could learn more about a topic that, honestly, I think about frequently. 
I'd also be really curious to hear what listeners think about expressions of love in certain media, for example, an email or a Facebook message, or maybe a text message with a photo attached. And finally, I would challenge listeners to think about circumstances in which they felt very strong love, whether it was romantic or otherwise, and did not express it. And I'm not demanding that you change those circumstances or contact that person to correct a potential error, but I'd simply love to know what your reflections are on why you chose to react the way you did and what cultural or perhaps personal factors you would cite as a basis for that decision. And of course, Sam, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on and discussing this today. Always happy to join you, Kip. Thanks for having me. And as ever, it's a pleasure to have you on. But of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. So for those of you listening, we'd really love to hear your thoughts, opinions, feedback, or input of any kind. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.